Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. afternoon good evening and welcome to the latest hr on the offensive podcast it's me chris from lace partners and i am with my co-host co-conspirator and i'm going to name drop one of our previous guests joe rose from link laters emma and i normally have a partner in crime duo and joe has given us thankfully thanks joe she's given us a whole load of different crime fighting duos that we can reference so ems would you like to be Sergeant Tom Barnaby or DCI Gavin Troy, and I'll give you five. Oh, actually, you know who it is because Joe sent you the email as well. So why don't you tell our esteemed guest, who is uh, Lulu Demarche from How Now, and uh, she's the head of uh, customer success for Ems. Why don't you say hello to our listeners and then also enlighten those listeners who don't know where Sergeant Tom Barnaby and DCI Gavin Troy come from. Um, yeah, hi everyone that's listening, um, and for your benefit as well, probably Lulu. So <laughs> this is about Midsummer Murders, which was an ITV series. I think I, I think it may even still be going. It's definitely on BritBox and all those kind of things if you want to watch the old old series. And they are two local detectives in the Cotswolds. I think Midsummer Murders might have been set. Yeah, often you see them in the pub. There's, I mean, I always wonder in Midsummer. How people still seem to live in the village because every episode somebody gets murdered. So, yeah, obviously, you know, lots of lots of people keep coming into the village. Anyway, long story short, Lulu, I would probably say I'd like to be Barnaby and you can be Troy, Chris. <laughs> Barnaby's think, the chief. That's what. Yeah, I think you have to be <laughs> Barnaby because you are the one that would solve most of the crimes, and I would be that person that just comes along for the ride. Occasionally, be the rebellious one. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but we'll give, you can you, you can take that one for this week. Uh, last week, I had Michael Knight to your uh, kit. But we'll take that one. But Lulu, we thought we'd get you in. We're not going to talk about Midsummer Murders all evening <laughs> because that would be an odd uh, podcast. But Lulu, can you just uh, tell our lovely listeners who you are and what you do at How Now, and a little bit about How Now as well, please? And then we're going to talk specifically about a blog that was written on the How Now website, which is a really really interesting one about how to get people using uh, their LMS platform. But firstly, just a little bit about yourself and also how now please Lulu. Yeah hello everyone so I'm Lulu and I'm heading the customer success team at how now. Uh, what we do is we deal with pretty much all things customer related so from implementation to onboarding, product management, product education, product adoption so yeah we really are the link between I guess the customers and also our product team so that they can help, you know, we get the customer feedback and we enable the customer to have a voice as well so that they can also shape product of how now for tomorrow. So this is kind of what we do and how now overall. So we are an all-in-one uh, learning platform. So as you might be aware, the work of work is really moving quite quickly. It's changing fast. That brings a lot of opportunities in terms of learning. And if you are going to make most of these opportunities, then you need to keep learning and learning quickly, faster than all of your competitors. So we believe that that's what we believe in. Basically, that 
the faster learners are going to win in the end. So yeah, we help fast growing companies who might be a bit too busy and to, who are per perhaps struggling to find time for learning and development to apply and understand the skill gaps that they need in the shortest term. So that's kind of an overview of what we do at HowNow. Excellent. Cool. Let's so let's talk about the the blog itself. And as we've been sort of chatting uh, via email, we've been talking to to Gary from How Now as well about this particular piece because it really resonated to me, and I thought it would be an interesting conversation to have with you guys. So the blog is called How to Get People Using Your Learning Platform. Uh, it's on the How Now website. We'll put it in the show notes as well. I found it interesting because of some of the some of the points that, that you guys raised, but also it resonated for me having come having used LMS platforms before quite some time ago with a previous company and catching people at certain stages in their in their life cycle and the life cycle that I was having at that time when I was working for the organization I was working for was I was perhaps less engaged. And so we'll probably come come on to that that sort of stuff and I, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But in terms of in terms of question size, I'd just like to, to have a chat with you just about the the first piece, which is in the blog. It actually talks about ensuring that you create a purpose and pathways to, to progress. So can you just expand on that a little bit and give a little bit of color and context for our, our listeners? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, it's super important, as, as we uh, mentioned, to create this purpose and this pathway. So if you work out in a business, the, the skill gaps that exist and that is required to reach uh, business goals, then it means that you can really frame learning and development around how that individual is helping the business achieve the purpose, right? So this is super important. So combine this with also kind of understanding, I guess, people's personal goals, then you can also understand how they are, this is going to influence their personal development, career growth, et cetera, at the same time. Um, so there, there are these two elements. And if you combine them together, if you combine these two ideas together, meaning giving people a bit of structure with the pathway around learning to achieve their the company goals. So that can be done through lots of different ways, where, whether it's manager one-to-one -one session, goal setting session, development plans to really kind of encourage employee to develop relevant competencies and skills related to future career goals or uh, yeah, work related challenges perhaps, but also you give the freedom and the autonomy for self-directed learning. So that's kind of our second element towards personal goals, then this will be much more impactful in the long term. So that's why it's also super important to, and, and helpful to, to build this strong learning culture on a company level so that this purpose kind of comes into play as well as making sure that you guide your people you guide your employees towards achieving their goals that are also going to fit in the business goals overall so yeah i guess once you have created these pathways it's important to also look at the data to improve these pathways, improve the purposes and feed it into the company culture. So, yeah, I guess that's definitely one of the two main takes that I would take from, from that area. And just sort of reflecting on what you were saying there, Lulu, I kind of made me start to think about people's career pathways, obviously learning to, to support their career pathways. I, mean, I think we all kind of recognise now that career pathways are quite non-linear. 
they're actually quite dynamic, potentially, you know, way much more than they used to be, which poses a really interesting question when it comes to learning, because what I want to do now in the next year, when I get there, might be totally different to what I, what I thought. So I guess, how do you keep the learning to flex with flexing of the career pathways and keep it dynamic? And what are you maybe seeing around that? Yeah, so it's kind of what I already touched on a little bit is making sure that the business goals are also taking into play the the personal goals. So obviously everyone, when you bring anyone in a team, everyone is bringing different skill set to the team, to the business, but they also have different interests. And that's why we have such diverse teams in the first place. So it's important from a management perspective, but also a culture perspective to enable this culture of learning. And it's not only a manager says your role is X, so therefore you have to learn X amount of skills, it's also having the liberty and the freedom to open it up to other things. So this is something that I see applied in different companies that we are working with, but also at Hauna. So you can see people get interested in some skills that are not necessarily relevant to their current role. However, how they are going to progress in their career, that would that would probably be relevant. And also you would be able to use these skills within within the business anyway. So yeah, I think it's important as a cult, as a company culture to make sure that you enable that. And it's from a management, a senior leadership, but also on very smaller team setup that you can you can enable that culture. Yeah, and, and sort of the the mindset shift from a manager yeah. side to think more like that and having then I guess the operational enablers to be more dynamic be more flexible and and change as someone wants to change for some people they you know they won't they'll have a very clear view in three years this is what it's going to look like and it takes them that long to get there but for someone else six months time brand new role brand new scenario needs something very different yeah it's, it's fascinating so much opportunity i think and that's why the self-directed learning is so important because Yes, your manager might tell you you need to focus on this area for next quarter or next year. But then obviously we can't forget the part of this is what I want to learn for my career, for myself, for even professionally. I know that I'm perhaps lacking a little bit on this. This is not maybe something my manager has uh, seen. However, I want to focus on that. So the self-directed learning part is very important as well. And and building on that, I'm just sort of sitting here thinking, maybe I'm new to the organisation or I'm new to my role or, frankly, I've just had seen so many things that just haven't worked for me. Like, where do I start? How do I find what I need, I guess, is the question when it comes to self-directed learning as much as pushing the mandatory learning to people? Because there's there's two things, isn't there? There's, I just have to do this to tick the compliance box. And there's the things that actually I want to self-direct because that's where my passion lies around my personal interests, my, my work interests, or what I want to do to progress the next role. So how do you make things easy for people? So I guess it's a question of, so for example, with, with how now with the platform, uh, with this new learning space that we offer to people, you're we're really able to gather all of this content that is kind of pushed towards you, which is compliance and company intelligence, but also we're able to add external publication, external content 
that has all of the different uh, skills that you want to, to improve on, and you can just quickly share, uh, search for it uh, directly within the platform, whether it's on the platform directly or you know wherever you're working. Uh, so we are able to integrate with all of the tools that you're working on. So that is uh, how you know you can make sure that people find it easily to to find the relevant content, the relevant knowledge, and the relevant skills that they want to improve on. Yeah. And do you know what was interesting when I was reading the blog, one of the bits, one of the lines that really stood out to me is about enticing people onto the platform. And as I mentioned right at the start, one of the challenges that I had, and it was interesting that you were mentioning ends about people, it's like learning that you're almost enforced to do versus learning that you have a passion about, because I'll go into a little bit of sort of storytelling now, so apologies, and just uh, shout at me if I start talking too much. As I said at the start, I worked previously, it was probably about 10, 12 years ago now, I was working for a uh, business and we had an old uh, LMS platform, and I was effectively told, you have to go and you have to do this particular bit of work. It's part of personal development. Everyone has to do it. But whilst I did it, there was also lots of other sections of the site which I would find out about that I thought actually that might be of interest but because I wasn't really signposted towards it I was just signposted towards these areas and because the system wasn't very easy to use I don't think I ever actually went back to those other areas I I remember there's one about neuro-linguistic programming and I thought actually that might be quite interesting never actually went on to it because it was difficult to use the system and I was there to effectively do a job so that I could tick the box. So the words that really stood out to me were entice people onto the platform. So can you just sort of give some thoughts around that really and, and how you guys can help to support people with that? What you kind of recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess there are three three main points that we we enable and we help and we support. So first of all, so there are three meeting people learners where they are then making it easy for learner to by integrating with the tool that they're already using every day on a daily basis and then making it easy for learners by bringing all of their learning resources in one place so that's kind of what we already touched on so if we kind of dive in and it's really close to what you just said Chris there's a I, I, when I was working on researching a little bit more on the podcast for stats and things, I, I found some really interesting statistics that it was reported that employees spent I think it was 1.8 hours each day looking for information in 2012. That was 2012. In 2015, that increased to 2.5 hours. So that's still quite far away from us. Okay, now the situation has slightly improved since then, but in 2019, there was another survey that still showed that the number was around 25% of each day people are searching for the information. So I guess this is kind of what you already explained, (laughs) that people don't really know where to start, where to find this information. So we really help people to, to have access to the information. So we have... Uh, an extension, a browser extension that is available on How Now, and we're seeing some company make, making incredible use of that extension. So, for example, customer-facing teams that need to learn really quickly, that needs the information at their fingertip to upskill themselves on whether it's uh, business intelligence, etc. They need something quick, and they can't spend 25% of their time searching for that information. They really need to just click on a button type something, search for it and get the information. So I guess that's probably one one of the first parts. 
definitely when we talk so when we talk about you know learning in the flow of work that's when we also need to recognize that there are some behaviors that already exist happening every day so for example what people most of the time would do to find some information they would go to google so we can't deny that this is kind of the normal behavior but with the browser extension by surfacing all of the content, all of the relevant resources that you have alongside with the Google search, then we kind of cut the time of search and we enable people to upskill quickly at the point of need. So I guess that's one of the one of the first parts. Then the second part that we, we help with is, as I said, is by integrating with the tool people are already using on a, on a daily basis. So we know that most people spend a lot of time on communication tools, for example, such as Slack or uh, Teams to, you know, share information, ask for questions to a manager or to a colleague, etc. So what we also enable is people to stay on these tools that they are already used to, but also having the option to share content, save content easier so that we don't disrupt their flow of work and they can still be on these tools and have access to the information, share the information, also create a knowledge base that, you know, for example, on Slack, if you think about it, you might ask someone a question today in three days time, the same question is going to come up again, but it will be lost in the influx of information of messages that have already been shared by all of the teams. So it's making sure that if there is any potential repeat question that you save that content so that another person can find it later on and that a manager or a senior colleague doesn't have to repeat herself or himself day in and day out and again waste time in in sharing this information so yeah i guess this is what we do with enabling and integrating with the tools is avoiding to disrupt people's flow of work and avoiding them to switch content so that also the information isn't lost and i guess the final point which is what we already touched on quite a bit is bringing all of these learning resources into one place, one roof of knowledge, because we know that companies, you know, they, they might use a lot of different providers. So for example, if we just think about uh, external provide, content provider, you might have one provider for compliance. You might have one provider for health and safety. You might have one provider for soft skills. That's already three different tools that you would need to remember your login for, which you probably forget at some point. And then they will have different search engines. So you might have to get used to that. You might need to get used to the UX, et cetera. So we are making sure that we bring everything together and that can be used on web app, on mobile, on the extension, on your tools. And we really make sure that this is helpful. And I think this is also something that we've seen our customers using lots, especially for, you know, globally distributed teams as well, just because they, they have to make sure that everybody has access to the same information at the same time. And there is no dependency on somebody uh, being awake or having the same shift, etc. So, yeah, this is kind of overall, I guess, the main three points as well that we discussed in that blog. Can I just quickly ask Ems, because I know Ems has got a question in a sec, but I just want to ask a very, very quick one. How many businesses that you work with actually get that integration right? Because that's a fascinating thing for me, because 
as a marketer, the thing that drives me insane is exactly what you said, having tools that you have to, or six or seven different types of tools, six or seven different logins, things like that. How many businesses that you guys talk to are in that point where they have that? Is that most of the businesses you talk to? It's, oh, we've yeah. got all these logins left, right and centre, or are there many businesses that are getting it right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would say it's, yeah, I would say it's 99% of our customer base that are coming in the implementation and their main pain points is, well, we do have we do have too many uh, tools or we do have too many content providers, etc. And they all will switch on the integration with the tools that they are working on, whether it's one or it's 10, but all of them, even for SMEs, they would always have at least one tool that they want to integrate with. Cool. I did have a, it was more of a sort of off-piece question, if I'm honest, Chris and Lulu. So kind of non-scripted, but it just popped into my head based on what you were talking about, Lulu, when you were talking around Slack as an example, you know, we are all on comms channels, be it social or, you know, just general comms channel now at work more than we ever were before. And I guess for me, sort of reflecting, there's something here around what should the overall learning strategy for an organization be? I know every organization has had to think about that before, but I guess where I'm going with this is you've got your organizational wide learning that everybody has to do that the L&D team can kind of script because it is what it is but all of us probably gain more by learning from others asking the questions in a team setting so the team's role in learning which is quite different to the corporate learning strategy and therefore what should the role of kind of a traditional L&D team be in the future what are our expectations for what typically would get devolved how do you build the right enablers to help that team learning capture all of those things i just think as we kind of evolve i guess our overall proposition for for learning and what learning is in an organization there are more dynamics to that than perhaps there were before which is a more philosophical question it is off piste i i appreciate that i'm not necessarily expecting an answer uh, it's just more me kind of musing over just what you were saying lulu particularly around some of those examples yeah, so I think for sure le- the the learning and, and development strategy has evolved, and as you said, it doesn't. We nobody really believes in top down only approach anymore. So there is definitely an element of social learning that needs to happen, and that's also why we've created our product the way we created it by really enabling people to also share content because often. Back in the day, we might have thought only senior leaders in the company would have, you know, would be subject matter experts. However, we know it's not true anymore. You might have a new starters that is just done different roles prior uh, joining a company that might actually have an, an amazing amount of, of nuggets or, sorry, of content that they could share with the rest of the business. So I guess it's making sure that when you create this kind of uh, L&D pl- strategy, you cater for that as well. And you have a change management piece that happens to make sure that you are opening the doors to everyone to be a contributor. And this is something yeah. like, yeah, this is 90% of the cases of the businesses we work with are now, yeah, we want everybody to be a contributor in the in the business. Everyone to be a subject matter expert in something, or at least everyone to have access to sharing content with the entire business because also you don't 
you don't want to create information silos within the business. You want to make sure that everyone has access, if except if it's obviously sensitive information, but you want to make sure that everybody has access to whatever other departments are doing and perhaps how other departments are tackling specific challenges so that you can get inspired from these. And that's really much of a mindset change and a change management piece that needs to happen during the implementation of a of a of, of how now of a new learning system for sure. And I think it's quite empowering actually yeah. the team, when you when you kind of position it that way. And then that hopefully leads to more engaged teams, which we all know is a very positive thing. But I guess there's still this question of, you know, when you're thinking about launching, how do you get that right? You know, we've talked about change management, but learning is is ongoing it's not just at a point in time it should be ongoing it should be part of the dna of an organization so how do you i guess make it that and and what kind of comms examples have you seen or interventions have you seen to help reinforce it becoming part of the dna and it not feeling like okay we need to now re-communicate we've got this system go here (laughs) etc yeah so it's definitely so obviously during the implementation, there are a lot of things that need to happen, whether it's, you know, content migration and things like that. But quite often I see at the start that perhaps the comm strategy almost takes a, a second uh, a second part within, within the, the project. However, it's so important, as you say, to get it right. And the best way to get it right is to think about it just for a second is, where do we want to go with with the learning culture? How do you want to develop it? It's also making sure that there are there is some collaboration within the business is super important because quite often as well what we have seen in the past is, for example, L and D teams are working on on this L and D project, but nobody else in the business is aware of what's coming. So it's making sure that even before launch happens or the go live date happens is making sure to get buy-in within the different departments to also get collaboration with the marketing team because the marketing team is going to know what is the best learning brand to create in the first place, what's going to resonate with your people and also what you want to be to, to share and the values you really want to communicate. So that I, I guess this is the first element is really this collaboration across teams, across department, getting the buy-in for senior management and management as well, because yes, you can launch a a new platform tomorrow. If none of your managers are going to be using it to share content with the teams, then there is not this kind of trickle-down effect with the rest of of your people. So I think that's another one. And I guess this third element as well, is which also can be forgotten sometimes is the comms plan doesn't stop at launch it needs to really be a constant effort of reiterating reminding people because we know on day one you might not get a hundred percent of adoption and that's kind of okay we, we just need to work on okay what are the next steps and making sure that you have these calendars of, of reminders of also facilitating the content and also perhaps sessions, events and product education as well. But you have a constant calendar of, of reminders to, to make sure that, you know, you are maybe focusing on specific teams and, and you give support and you provide help and guidance on those. So I guess, yeah, it's making sure that 
the type of messaging that you're putting out there kind of resonates with with your people and you just keep pushing the effort after launch happens so that it doesn't fall we yeah. say kind of fall like a flan I quite yeah. like this expression <laughs> and I like that very good yeah it's interesting isn't it in fact you're, you're really right you can you can create a plan I think you can create a plan and you can constantly reinforce you know we have this tool you know extra but also there's a few other bits for me which is I'm just kind of reiterating as we wrap up today some of the things you've already said it's that validation like it's all very well creating a tool and every month reminding people that this tool exists and here's the interesting things that you can go there but if it's only if it's only if the rest of the business is collaborating on it if they see the value of it and if they're then telling all of their peers about how good it is it develops that validation which you're going to get more people then engage with it so it's it's that you need to have that strategy of reinforcement which is the reminding people how to do it you need to have that collaboration but i think also it's recognizing that people adopt technologies in different ways there's there were some people a really really good example i'll use within our business aaron and emma are two people emma leonis who's on this uh, course we've got a few emmas now in our business now aaron and emma are two people that if you give them a new tech they read all about it they they understand it they absorb it really really quickly and they start using it straight away and they're advocates of it and that's brilliant and they get very excited about it don't you Emma you, she gets very excited about tech I know the tool you're talking about in particular but that's because I'm a bit of a geek yes no, but not, <laughs> if you think about it any type of tool there are certain people that just love to absorb that information and then there are some people that just think do you know what I'm just going to wait a bit I'm going to you know I'll, I'll not use it until I need it and then, so that may take, that may be three months, six months, however long it is along the line. And at the point in which they need it, all of a sudden it's, oh, okay, so where is it? I didn't know about it. Now, you know, it doesn't matter. They did know about it when we launched this new product six months ago, but, you know, they need it now. So it's having, if that, if that person in that hypothetical instance has had six months of not engaging with it, but suddenly they engage with it because they're seeing that validation and that collaboration with their peers, because they know that it's existed. Maybe even it's because they had some input in it before it was even launched. And you're right, you're going to get that that greater user adoption. But we are just arriving at the end of our podcast. Um, thank you very much for giving us some of your insights, some of your wisdom. It's been really, really good to talk to you about, you know, how do we how do you get people using those LMS platforms? How do you get people uh, learning better? So um, thank you very, very much for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have you on again because uh, the guys at How Now produce some really, really interesting content. You should go onto their um, website. This is obviously a podcast and it's not a video cast, but you can see Emma. You could, if you were there, you'd see Emma nodding away. Go onto their website, have a look at some of the great stuff that they do, not least because Emma's on a couple of uh, pieces that they've written. So, you know, I'm sure shameless plug there. She'd, uh, that she'd is love a shameless plug. That wasn't the point. <laughs> <laughs> but it is great stuff they do. They, they've got some really interesting content. So go on there. Thank you very much. As always, DCR. By Tom Barnaby. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, this is Sergeant Tom, uh, so, sorry, Sergeant Gavin Troy signing off for the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. And we will see you next time. Thank you very much. Yeah.